Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cultured Nerd Podcast. This week, episode 22, we're going to be actually going back to the DC conversation. And we're going to talk about the recent release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And with it, the online chatter that seems to show a lot of people being very confident in Superman Legacy now that this film has released. So we're going to talk about what we felt about Guardians of the Galaxy 3, what we feel about what the implications are for Superman Legacy, and we're going to go from there. So sit tight and let's have some fun. Only in 2023 are we going to be speaking about DC as we now talk about a Marvel movie for 40 minutes. <laughs> it's <clears throat> so um Garden Galaxy Volume 3 came out. You finally got around to seeing it. And, yeah. Um I already put my my thoughts online that essentially um I loved the movie and I thought it was probably um one of the best things Marvel has done in a long time. And I think the reason why this movie was such a success in my eyes was the fact that it wasn't part of a bigger shared universe plan. It was literally just a James Gunn made a trilogy that was kind of separate from the MCU as a whole. And those characters that did cross over into the MCU felt more like those MCU adventures were pit stops on the rest of their journey. Unlike where like Captain America three was, civil war or just another avengers movie essentially and and prequel to black panther and a few other things it was this was the first time and probably the only time marvel is going to give a director a real trilogy and letting him do everything he wants within that trilogy uh let's put up the spoilers tag because we'll all try i'll try to go as long as possible before we start hitting the beats of this movie because if I, it took me a while to see it so it might take some of you to see it uh, I too really enjoyed the movie and it makes me really sad to hear that because as I was watching this movie I kept asking myself when was the last good Marvel movie I saw because it this movie feels so a step above just in terms of its planning and execution and the way that the scenes all played out, um, there's an emotional resonance to this movie that feels like kind of like the culmination in the last Spider-Man movie, yeah. where that movie like had so much clout, it spent all of its clout. I feel like Guardians also had so many of those like great big moments, but it's been earned over... A decade, right? When did the first movie come out? 2013, 2014? Ish, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a part of a decade with these characters. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, let me pull up the exact date for you because I know that we uh, we want to make Taylor, sure. Taylor, I saw it on a Thursday night. There was nobody in the theater. It was a joyous occasion. It was. I loved. It was a great <laughs> movie experience. Okay, uh, 2014 was the first one, 2017 was the second one, and now this one being 2023. And this one had a myriad of reasons why it took so long to get that way. Um, 
with everything that had happened behind the scenes and James Gunn being publicly fired from Disney, um, and then jumping over to Marvel and uh, over to DC, giving uh, the Suicide Squad and the the Pacemaker. Um, then while he was filming Peacemaker, they basically were like, hey, come back. And um, I had heard a little bit about what they were going to do without Gun. And this movie almost never happened. And what they would have essentially made was the Asgardians of the Galaxy. And that ridiculous part of the beginning of Thor, Love and Thunder was essentially going to be a whole movie. Taylor, then, it would have been so bad. Oh, my. I, Taylor, there was already stuff that felt like. It, I feel like James Gunn got three notes for this movie and then they couldn't give him any more notes. And I feel like those notes were, you got to have kids somewhere in this movie. <laughs> like, just like, oh, you got to do that. I feel like Adam Warlock was shoved into this movie at some point. I don't know if he needed to be there, but okay. He is front and center in this movie. Uh, and then I feel like the third note was like, hey, can you make your animal your creepy body horror stuff just a little less creepy because i'll tell you this i see these movies sometimes and i ask myself who are these movies for this feels like it is aiming to the higher end of that marvel catalog but everything yeah. else feels like it's so young it's very weird because i watched the movie and i was kind of thinking the same thing like who is the audience for this one and it once again reminded me that james gunn's audience isn't kids and this, this movie, was a solid PG thirteen action movie with yeah. all the with all that entitles in that recognition. One of the downfalls to this movie is that you need to be aware of all the other movies. Yeah. Now it's a great trilogy of movies, and that's great. But as a standalone thing, you know, it's crazy. There's only one line that makes any reference of the Christmas special, and it's all just cameo stuff. You know what I mean? They spend. Yeah. He is not here to alienate his audience because you don't have Disney Plus. He's got a story to tell you. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of started it with saying uh, Guardian, nowhere is the new Guardian's base, which they just reset as long as it, like, if you didn't see this special, you didn't need to. And the only line that was really necessary was uh, the fact that the revelation of uh, Peter and Mantis being siblings was made in that movie. And they just talk about it like it's common knowledge now. They do it. They do it so fast. What are you going to tell your brother? I'm not going to tell my brother anything. Like it's like, oh, okay, yeah. that's it. That's great. You said yeah. it. There was that one little gag about uh, Kevin Bacon being kidnapped. Uh, that was like kind of a blink and you miss it cameo. But aside from that, it was very much like he had this movie locked in and ready to go, and then decided let's do the Christmas special and let's film like a couple seconds of tie-in footage for this movie. Yeah, and that was it. But um, I love that this movie as a whole had a lot of throwbacks to the other two, a lot of the weirdness. Um, the uh, the living space station and the, the suits made of living tissue and all that stuff, that was very much a James Gunn thing. It felt like a Ren and Stimpy joke. Because yeah. as you're watching it, you're like, okay, that's a bio, that's a biometric thing. But like kids, that's a butthole ship, okay? They go to a weird butthole ship and it's totally justified. You know what stood out to me in that scene, though? Uh, welcome to the cast of uh, Superman Legacy. All of his faces, all of these people that have stuck with him, he's going to be giving these actors parts. You know what I yeah. mean? If they went over here, they're absolutely going to go back over there. It was, 
I mean, there was obviously people who were like, oh, it's a there's James Gunn's wife again as just some random security tech. But you also saw the pink chick that Peter was trying to seduce was a rat catcher from the Suicide Squad. And you had Nathan Fillion as well in another role in the trilogy. I mean, in the first movie, he was the the uh, the big brutish alien that was trying to basically like, I'm going to make you yeah. my, my sex toy. Sure. And then in the second movie, he had like a visual cameo as as uh, on movie posters of Wonder Man that were in the background of the Earth scenes. But in this one, he was an actual security guard and he had lines and dialogue and like a little bit of story arc and everything he said about like i've got one of those two this guy's an idiot like all of that stuff was very james gunn humor like i really enjoyed it and especially here he's just like do you even talking like why are you talking to me like why why are you so dumb like it it just felt like a lot of james gunn's direct humor the this is a i mean this is a compliment in the best possible way this felt like a Guardians meets Star Trek movie. I kept yeah. watching this and being like, it's so great to just have like a villain who's bad. He's just oh. a bad, he's just a piece, he was, he's just a POS. He's just a he's bad guy. Was like probably one of Marvel's best villains. Mm. Like I I thought he was such a cool character. I very much what he was in the comics, right? Very much like inspired by the things that he liked about Earth, but thinking that humans were the problem. Everything about that was straight out of the comics. Like the whole Earth, counter earth with the, the animal people, that's all comic stuff. Um, but the backstory that they gave rocket, um, well, that was the stuff that, yeah. And this 100% is not for kids. Yes. And it's really not for kids. It's yeah. animal torture. It's the only reason they get away with it is because they're clearly CG, which is very yeah. interesting. In this case, I wanted those things to look as much like a computer simulation because it is so horrific. And it's yeah. a very weird line because most of this movie is a very adult subject matter. There's only a couple of scenes I would even say are like, like big popcorn scenes, everything else is really emotionally grounded. Yeah, and like watching the film, um, I know the one scene that really caught me as like, oh, this is not for kids. And again, spoilers for people who didn't catch the, the message 10 minutes ago, but the scene where his friends all got gunned down by the high evolutionary and he looks down at Layla's body and just starts screaming and it holds the frame of Rocket screaming and the dead body there. And it holds that frame for longer than it should have and i'm like ooh, okay so they want you not only to feel this but you, they want you to realize what's happening it reminded me a lot of in batman v superman where in the theatrical cut when superman died it just like has a little montage and then stops but in the ultimate edition uh he dies and then you have like what Zack snyder called the room to breathe where he had that longer sequence of showing the streets empty the buildings empty everything empty so that you realize that, holy crap, this character just died. And you had to like, you had to process it as it was happening. And I think that's what James Gunn did with this scene. Um, and it was good. And, and I also, I loved the uh, the Beastie Boys hallway scene. I think when I watched that scene, I'm like, this is probably one of the coolest live action. Like, not, not like Marvel's best action scenes as a whole, but probably one of their top ones. Because... James Gunn clearly pulled out all the stops to make a scene that looked like it was one continuous take, but in the, the coolest way possible. And it was very violent and 
almost on the verge of being gory, but every time someone think, something gory was about to occur, they would turn the camera to another character. So you, you're like, oh, that guy just got messed up. Well, it's so funny. One of the things that you brought up, he is comic accurate. You know, yeah. we, we finally got, you know, the person that ends conversations in this movie, in other movies would end with a joke. Gamora stabs people. Gamora is yeah. like, she's... So assertive. It's so nice. Taylor, I also want to say it was so great to start a Marvel movie where they go, hey, there's a problem that we have to fix right now. We have to start the movie right now. We're not, there's no, nope, you're going to go on this adventure with us. We're going to deal with this in real time. There was all of these choices over and over again that felt so strong. And you're right. Didn't feel like a Marvel movie. It felt like a DC movie with Marvel skin. Like, and that was, to me, I think that was the fact that James Gunn left, made a DC movie, got a flavor for what having creative freedom and that darker tone feels like, and then went back to this one. And then it was like, I'm just going to carry that vibe with me. And, and Disney, how much money, Disney wanted him so badly. This movie ends, he wraps this movie up because this is where he wants to leave his characters off. But I, Guardians are not going anywhere and whatever they're disney not, they're also not staying anywhere either i mean the the ending tag with star lord will return i firmly believe that we're not going to get a gardens galaxy 4 because they're not going to do it that's impossible they're but never going what, they're never going to do it no because james gunn's not going to come back but what i think is likely going to happen is that in secret wars they'll pop up for the last time and then mm. The, the common consensus is that the universe is going to get grand reset. I think it will get reset and these characters will be gone. And then whatever the reboot is, they can recast or whatever they want from there on. But this uh, is, this is the swan song of James Gunn's mini franchise. It was so good. And they could have done so much more with it. The fact that this whole movie is rocket, which is kind of a bait and switch with the other movies. But I also feel like James Gunn was like, Hey, guess what? I know that you guys care about Chris Pat, but this is actually about the, this is actually about a raccoon. All of these yeah. movies are actually about the raccoon. Yeah. And if you watch all three of them, you're like, Oh yeah, he is kind of the main character. <laughs> like Pratt is like, they, they always compete for the main character between the two of them. Yep. Yep. And, even in the Avengers movies. I mean, the, the right? I mean, most of that stuff is with Rocket, right? Isn't he one of the B stories? Yeah, he in the Avengers in Endgame and Infinity where he was the one that survived. And the story followed him. And we don't even touch guys, we the King is so done with the MCU. We don't even have Rocket address any of that stuff at all. We're right into the new adventure. Yeah. But um with all that said, we both obviously we both love the movie, um, but the a lot of people are basically saying that because of the the emotion that was displayed, because of the the actual the writing involved, that he was able to give these characters true heart. Um, I mean, you had all the stuff with Drax being Drax, right? But then all of a sudden, like you realize that Drax is the way he is because of the loss of his family, and he's actually happy when he's back in a family situation. And then you have like all the stuff with Rocket, all the building blocks with Rocket, everything with Peter not wanting to go back home because he's basically scared of the realization that um, if I go back and my grandpa is dead, then I really have nobody left and I don't want to go there. I will say, if we want to get nitpicky about some stuff, when uh, after the first action sequence, we see Groot as just like a little spider guy for a second. Yeah. 
I was like, we spent five years regenerating him and we're already here. Nope, no problem. Don't worry about it. He's a full man again. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Jim's been even said in the background that this is full-grown Groot, and this version of Groot is, it's not the same Groot from the first movie. This is Groot's son. Yeah, you can watch him on Disney+. Plus. He's had a whole slew of adventures. He's his own person. But I mean... If you kind of look at it, like once they do mature to the full form, then they can just regrow. Like even the first movie, both Groot had both of his arms chopped off and grew them back within like an hour. So uh, I, I, I like this. I like this warrior son of all of the guardians because he knows how to do things where Mm -hmm. the first time he was only tight with Quill, uh, I'm sorry, with Rocket, they were the only ones that had that. Now he can do it with everybody. Him and Quill have a matrix scene. They go, you know what I mean? They show up with a building and just light it up. (laughs) I I did really enjoy the, uh, the kaiju mode like go kaiju and then he just got all giant like so many fun little gags with Groot and then even at the end of the movie in the post credit scene when you see Groot um even bigger and fully more fully grown that's like comic book Groot that's actually the Groot from the comics I was about to ask you because this is real comic this is what comic book this is stuff me and Taylor were talking about over comics is he an omega level alien mutant now like and at, at that form <clears throat> when that's his base size how strong is he I don't know. I mean, he he's he is a, he is insanely strong. But let me let me pull up just a picture for, um, just to kind of reference, like, is the comic book Groot in in the comics? And I also mo- yeah. And this is a great place to end the movie because in the comic book, lots of different people are on the Guardians of the Galaxy. They swap members all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I want to try to find a photo that I, I can actually... That's okay. I can, gush, I can gush more about the movie. We can do some criticisms, too. The movie looks great. The only thing I feel like they skimped on was the uh, guards' uniforms inside of the 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 living organism. Those suits, I was like, this is the best you could do with those weird... those. Yeah, look at that guy. Like, that that's comic book Groot, and that was the Groot that we got at the end of the movie. Like, that was the first time that we actually got a Groot that was like, okay, he's kind of scary looking. He's not like a he's not like a little puppy with tree arms. Right. Um, no, no, he's no, he's a scary dude. But on that note, I want to pull up some of the little questions real fast because we saw some people saying hi. Um, Andre from Four Nerds popped in and said hello. Um, one question that popped up, this came up over the weekend. Um, what is your thoughts on David Cornsweet um, if he does become our new Superman? And what are your thoughts on James Gunn saying that he's going to introduce other heroes in the Superman movie? So this popped up over the weekend uh, in the Heat Vision by The Hollywood Reporter. They had said um, that they had gotten word that there was a short list of Superman characters and actors that were auditioning for for Superman, Lex Luthor, and Lois Lane, right? And... Uh, Ironically, they put this out. The internet flew up, blew up, and it was like, oh my God, David Cornsweet is one of the big ones. But then Justin Kroll of Deadline pops in saying, just to be clear, they aren't even close to making a shortlist, let alone picking their Superman. So using a term like frontrunner might be a tad strong. So he yeah. debunks the article in real time. And then like half an hour later, James Gunn goes back onto Twitter as well and does it as well, right? For all of you asking, I would never comment on who is or isn't auditioning for a role. That's the actor's business only and isn't something I'd make public unless they did it first after the fact. 
like Glenn Howerton or Zachary Levi having both auditioned for Star-Lord and being top choices. For now, only one person has been cast in Superman Legacy, and it isn't any of the regular players in the Superman world. Insert merman emoji. Um, the merman emoji could mean either two things. One, there is that um, that throwaway line from Peacemaker where um, Vigilante throws yeah. the mermaid emoji as his his everything emoji. Like it's my happy, sad, fusing style. Like it's it's his everything emoji. So people are like, is it Vigilante? Sure. But at the same time, merman could also be Aquaman, referencing Jason Momoa, and the ongoing rumors that Jason Momoa is going to be playing a different character. And if you believe it, or even with the rumors, there's always those rumors saying that Momoa could be playing Lobo, and Lobo would be introduced in Superman Legacy. So that could be part of that, too. Um, but at the end, it's all hearsay, it's all speculation. The fact that both Deadline and James Gunn said that David Cornsmith is not the top contender, and probably isn't even in the final list, is, it's a big one. And I, the reason why I bring this up is that everyone that they mentioned in that that article about like David Cohen sweat and um, the actors that the, Oh, this guy auditioned for, uh, for Lex Luthor. He didn't audition for Lex Luthor. He's also auditioning for Superman. Um, things like that. Like uh, I just forgot the, the, the actor's name. Um, Nicholas Holt, right? They said Nicholas Holt is auditioning for Lex Luthor. He auditioned for Superman, not Lex Luthor and things like that. But, I will say with almost firm confidence that David Cornsweet is not going to get the role because David Cornsweet looks just like a younger version of Henry Cavill. And the last thing that James is going to do is hire another guy that looks like the last Superman and get constant comparisons. He's not going to do it. There's a couple of things you just said. The first thing is we already knew multiple heroes are showing up in these movies. They said yep. what the movies were, but if for in those movies, we're going to be seeing multiple heroes from other cities, other villains, because that's how he's going to flush out this universe very quickly so that we don't have to run into something. But like in the Bat movie, we're going to get the entire Bat family for the most part. You know what I mean? So I would assume that's the case. Secondly, what are you doing out there, everybody? There is a writer strike going on right now. Yeah. So like maybe some of these things are happening. Nothing is going to get announced until other blocks are put in place. Um, right. Uh, the third thing that you just said, uh, talking about how this guy looks like Henry Cavill, I just watched a thing where uh, uh, James Gunn was talking about his favorite comic book movies. And he Superman was his number two, the original one. And he talked about all these different things, and he talked about the charm of the original Superman, that he enjoyed helping people. That was what he liked to do. So with that in mind, whatever Superman we're going to get, he's got to be able to do those comedy chops. Now, I'm not talking Star-Lord. I'm not talking Chris Pratt stuff. I'm saying they need to be able to play that. So these names can all be jumbled and stuff out, but there's so many moving parts. We're not anywhere close. Because they might like a, a Superman, but he's got to look good with that Luther and that Lois. They are a yeah. big three amongst the big three. So to uh, pull up uh, David Cornsweet, he is um, he's 29, right? So he's kind of in the age range that they're looking at. And here was a picture that we brought up on a previous episode 
where someone took his picture and put Superman outfit on it. Yeah, I don't but like he it. does look way too much like Henry Cavill, and people would be like, I already saw people uh, on the internet saying, so Henry Cavill got fired for them to hire the younger younger Henry Cavill. Um, that would be the primary criticism, and people would just would riot. So I don't think for a second that he's even considering this guy, just because want, of the fact that he looks too much like Henry Cavill. I want that guy to be Superman in the '40s, but that's not what the Superman in 2025 is going to look like. Yeah. He's a very handsome. Man. Let's judge this man for his looks. He's a very handsome man. I can see why people. What a great jaw structure. I can see it there. He looks like my grandpa's Superman, and I want a new Superman. I don't want the old Supermans anymore. I want yeah. James Gunn Superman. 100%. And I think that the the rumors of all the people in the shortlist that were brought up on that thing, um, the what I basically heard is that right now they've been sent, like pretty much everyone in Hollywood, every young man between the age of 25 and 35 has sent in a tape. Mm. It's not just this shortlist of like, oh, we, we only talked to 10 people. There's hundreds of people that are sending audition tapes in. And it's, it's essentially, it, everyone knows what it is. It's Superman for the next decade plus. So it is a very, very big role, very big commitment. And despite the fact that the fans are still upset about the Snyderverse ending, yeah, that, that's a reality. But Hollywood uh, as a whole, Hollywood as a whole is so excited about this film that regardless of how people felt about the Snyderverse or anything like that, everyone in these age rangers are putting their tapes in none of there's almost no allegiance to any interpretation of the character because everyone has put a tape in i feel bad that the snyder verse is dead but that the death rattle keeps happening because the flash movie is going to make everyone remember what it could have been and the blue beetle movie is going to make everyone remember what it could have been and it, it, it these it, that flavor is still there but again we're it's we're getting ready to move on so I'm, I'm pulling up a couple more comments um uh nebula definitely was an underrated mvp um the introduction scene of gardens where nebula has her anime wings and has like the anime arm gun one of the coolest like the fact that she was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with adam warlock and then got like mangled to pieces and then Put herself back together was pretty rad through and through uh, all she she was a weird character for a long time she's fully into that universe i love what they they gave everyone a, a not a significant power up but like you can see that progression over time and i like that they didn't back away from that and nebula yeah. takes care of business <laughs> she's yeah. one of the business people on the team yeah um alan richards played aquaman at smallville too that could be a good one too alan richard could be in this film because James Gunn is not against anyone who has ever played a role in anything DC from appearing in a new role. Because other directors were very much like, oh, fresh faces across the board. Nobody can be anybody. Um, nothing gratuitous, nothing like that. Like Zack Snyder himself was very against certain cameos because he felt they were gratuitous and would pull you out of the movie going experience. But James Gunn's not that way. He he puts in familiar faces everywhere, and doesn't matter if it pulls you out of the audience, out of the experience, it's still there. Because people get sucked back in two seconds later by what's being shown on the screen. So Alan Richardson playing anything would be fantastic. Because I think he's um I, I think he's a fantastic actor. And from where he was in Smallville as Aquaman to now Jack Reacher, tremendously 
different person, and I would love to see him in a new superhero movie because I thought how he played Hawk in Titans was a massive waste of his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one. Well, this is kind of a two-parter. I'm assuming they haven't stated anything about Gunn's Batman until next year then and Wonder Woman. Yes. Um, we'll what get, we do we'll know, get glimpses of them. I mean, possibly. I, think we, I think we might see. I don't think. I think they'll do a lot what they did with what Zack Snyder did. We'll see Wayne Corp's name on some stuff, right? We'll see mm-hmm. stuff like that within the world. But I think maybe we do get a Bruce Wayne. I think it's all going to come really fast. Yeah. I could very much see them do all of this, like cast a lot of heroes all at once, get the whole universe together, um, and then have cameos, but don't even name them. Like in one scene, you see Bruce Wayne standing there or on TV doing something or something like that. Like, and don't name him. Just be like, oh, look, here's Lex Luthor. Uh, here's a businessman meeting with Lex Luthor. And then the next movie, like, oh, that was Bruce Wayne. Okay. Like things like that. I could 100% see that. Um, but at the same time, it was also revealed that James Gunn's not starting the filming for Superman Legacy until January. So I think he's very confident that the writer's strike will go as long as it needs to go and it will be done by the new year. And then at that point, he's able to move forward with everything he needs to. But that also Taylor, means... Taylor, if that writer's strike goes till January, oh my... That would be listen. the longest writer's strike of all time because the last two were pretty long, but this would... This one has different stakes. I see this one going more than 100 days, but I also wow. don't see it going for six months, seven months. Okay. Uh, question for you, Michael. Have you watched Superman and Lois? No, I have not. Should I watch Superman and Lois? Yes, 100%. Um, this is the this is the HBO one. Where did this where did this one live in the world? So, uh Superman and Lois uh, was sort of a spinoff of Supergirl from the CW. And it started on the CW, but it has HBO's backing as well. And it has a much different, um, to kind of just say it, uh, at the near the end of season one, they reveal that this this uh, Superman and Lois is not the same Superman and Lois from, the, from uh, Supergirl. This Great. is like a different branch of the multiverse. It is completely separate from the CW-verse. Great. That's all you really need to know. Um, that be told, it is so good. Um, for what they were able to do with that show on a CW budget makes every other CW show look like a piece of trash. See, this is n- n- not here, but back to the thing at hand. This Guardians movie was so good, it makes me wonder, like, what's going wrong with all your other movies? Like, what are, like, what are you <clears throat> not doing? Because all of a sudden you let a director make a movie and he made a movie. Yeah, and then, so, like, I mean, you look at it, right? You say, this movie came out, the last movie that was just before this was Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which, by everyone's review, was a movie made by a committee with no repercussions. Because it's yeah, meant to set up the... the worst ratings of the series, movie. right? Yeah. yeah. And then you had the movie before that, and the movie before that, like, you have Thor, Love, and Thunder. You have all these other movies where people are like, what, who is this for? But then you have Guardians come out and be like, this was the movie that we, this is clearly a progression of the movies. So you you have Marvel in a very weird spot where Kevin Feige is putting out things like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel and all these other things. And then people aren't really reacting to them. Like I will there tell are you audiences that. picking these things up, but it's like, 
Guardians has its audience, and Guardians is getting unanimous praise. So it's very uh, interesting. That Marvel's trailer did not excite me to want to go see that movie. No, it'll be a Disney Plus watch for me. It's yeah, and it feels like that. The trailer feels like it knows it's going to Disney Plus, but they got Samuel L. Jackson. They had to get you know they had to pay him all this money. But like, but Sam's action is also in Disney Plus. I know, and what's so, and this is this is the hypocrisy of me as a Marvel fan because that's the show I want to see. I feel like Sam Jackson might bring everybody back in again, but I don't know because we've only had this kid stuff now for like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and then here's another uh, little pop-up. Uh, then I got to play devil's advocates. Uh, support the writer's strike. Obviously, they deserve to get paid. Then do you expect SDCC to be kind of quiet because of the strike? 100%. Um, because I could see James Gunn doing something with Superman Legacy, announcing the cast. Yes. And that be it. Because everything else won't move forward without writers. And as much people... I, I know that you brought up, Chris, that James Gunn, James Gunn's Batman... It's not his Batman. It's going to be the Batman of whoever takes that role. And that's what James Gunn is saying that he wants to do, is that he wants to basically create what Zach wanted to do before, like make a sandbox, have a planned universe within that sandbox, and then allow the director who comes in to dictate their, their part of the corner. And that's what he wants to do. And he wants to help them achieve their role within the shared universe. Do you um, feel like that scene in Guardians 3 when uh, Quill is in the elevator bitching about everything that's happened to him. Do you feel like that was him just like trauma dumping on like, oh, here, I left these characters to you and now here's the story. I have to jam into this movie to make all this make sense. I honestly think so. Because he even said in other interviews that he wasn't super thrilled by what happened to the characters that he wasn't directing. So I could see that whole thing where he's like, this happened, this happened, I screwed up here, I did this. Him just basically like, I have to I have to acknowledge all the stuff that other people did and I'm not I'm not really happy. <laughs> so it's exactly what it felt like. He's like, I gotta tell everybody this stuff happened just so you know I'm aware of it. Uh, here's another fun question I've done. Odd question. Any interest in Shin Kamen Rider? <laughs> um, Michael, have you ever watched Kamen Rider? Uh I feel like I've seen multiple clips about the toys and fight scenes from the show, but no, I haven't watched the narrative of it, but I am aware of it. Yeah, we're both aware of it. I know that uh, when we were kids, we watched the Americanized port of that show when they with the Power Ranger like adaptation where they took one of the seasons and turned it into uh, what, did, what was that show called again? It's weird. I don't remember that one. I remember Ultraman and he would go inside the computer. And I also remember we are VR troopers. And then the VR then... troopers. VR troopers. I remember that one. And then uh, what you're talking about is a uh, grid man, which they named superhuman samurai cyber scrog, um, which was, I love that show. And I still have my figures from that show. Um, what was the, a show it was like um beetleborgs no that was a different one that came later there, there was even an episode where they crossed over with power rangers in space oh um, um where like the character basically like was responsible for creating alpha five what was that guy's name did they just call him masked rider i think that's what it was Master i rider. believe it was masked rider right 
Yes. I want to say yeah. I, I, I've watched multiple breakdowns of Power Rangers. I've watched those videos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I just Googled Masked Rider and he crossed over with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and then Zeo as well. And yeah. then again. Yeah. So Masked Rider. So okay. uh, he's in a my shared first universe. My first introduction to Comet, Shin Kamen Rider was Masked Rider back in the 90s. And then they, uh, I've seen some of the newer stuff and it's pretty cool. Um, I would have to sit down and really commit, but. Um, yeah, I, I do have some interest in it, but I have not like where do I watch it? Is it on Crunchyroll? No, it's not. You'd have to like pirate it somehow because there's yes. no real way to yeah. I get it. I get that VPN is easy, but it's real easy to sit on my couch. And if, if it's not there, it's it's like, oh, I gotta do another step. It's like that one time we tried to watch the Japanese Power Rangers, and it was like really it was a battle for us to try to get through it. Um, because it was just like getting that one couple those two or three episodes we got were like uh, an exercise in how patient we were <laughs> and then they it just good. didn't really pay off um here's another one that pops up uh superman legacy is the hottest piece in hollywood speaks volumes of the confidence the industry has in gun yeah it really does because james gunn has with the announcement james gunn sold out a handful of comic books and then he even told people that these are the comics that we're taking elements from but not basing it and people still bought the comics um huge yeah the industry is really like i think everyone's just excited not to have just to do things differently just to you know to do these stories differently because there Mm -hmm. was a sameness to the marvel machine and the good side of the good side of it is it keeps that work going it produces all of that stuff but the downside is there is a sameness to it um that I'm excited for something different. I mean, look how happy we were when Doctor Strange felt 2% like an Evil Dead movie. And now after watching Guardians 3, it's like, why couldn't you have let him do more? I mean, maybe he didn't have any more ideas, but it was like, I bet you could have let him do something else. So here's another one that that popped up. And I I do want to talk about this a little bit. Um, Just to add onto the gun comment, I think he's such a good person to work with. Like the way his cast fought for him and talked about him in a good light. Um, James Gunn has the same kind of cast cooperation that Zack Snyder does with his people. Like when they get their people, their people are ride or die with him. And it's very much the same way Zack is. And... I know that there's been a lot of behind the scenes controversy with James Gunn. And there's some people that don't like James Gunn for some behind the scenes stuff or not even specifically toward him, but some of his entourage that people don't like. And I understand that you can't control everyone around you in your circle of friends. Cause a lot of our friends, Michael, you and I both know a lot of our friends growing up have made some very dumb decisions and there's nothing we could have done about it. So there's nothing we could have done about it, nor did their poor decisions reflect on us because yeah. they were going to do those things regardless of what we did. We tried to stop them. Yeah. And then and, and this comment, this is kind of what I want to also piggyback on. Um, just excited that DC will finally be handled by its own directors instead of corporate executives. I think that's why the studio, why, why Hollywood is excited about DC and Guns DC is because that this is different. Uh, previously, people didn't like jumping onto the DC machine because the DC machine, everyone in the industry knew that it was puppeteered by a boardroom in Warner Brothers. And the Flash movie had maybe like 10 or 12 
different directors and writers and all these things attached to this project for the better part of a decade. And you saw all of these things and people didn't want to go near them. But now that DC is its own studio, the confidence is there because they know that James Gunn learned what he learned from Marvel, but also is not allowing that corporate machine to run DC again. And that is where the excitement is coming from. Yeah, and I hopefully they can just learn, you know, let Marvel make all the mistakes so that they can just do it differently and not run into those pitfalls and stuff like that when we start seeing his TV because he's also doing movies and TV. And I think as long as he can make those TV shows stand a cut above and not make them feel like a kid's show, I think they're going to be profitable. Yeah, and I think... So when, when Peacemaker came out, I remember watching the first couple episodes and not being a fan of the show. And I was just like, I don't know how I feel about the show. I don't know how it is. But then by the time the show ended, I was locked in. I was like, I I understood what they started with and how they finished it. And I saw the minutiae of development that he put these characters through. And I also saw what the studio probably told him they wanted. And that's why he delivered in some aspects. But... You also saw Peacemaker as a character be very self-loathing and very like very down on himself and very upset with all the decisions in his life and then get very depressed and all these different things that you wouldn't have expected when you saw the character in the Suicide Squad. So seeing that and then seeing what James Gunn did with Guardians 3, I saw that th that this guy is actually has the ability to tell a story with heart in it because He's done it before. I mean, every one of his projects has some emotional weight to it, regardless of the the dick and fart jokes that sometimes are present. But he also never forces the humor that's that's foreign to the character. Yeah, and Guardians is such a great character movie that, especially in Guardians 3, he really relies on the characters to move those scenes along. Um in, in previous movies, there would sometimes be an emotional beat, which they would cut with a joke. This movie lets beats play out long. Um, there's a lot of really dramatic things. I, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think that I'm interested to know what the tone of Superman is going to be, because I think that's a little bit up in the air. I don't know where they're going to go with that. But everything else in the universe, uh, Swamp Thing's going to be a horror movie. Uh, Wonder Woman's going to be a brutal, uh, blood Game of Thrones, yeah, thing. yeah, fighting monsters and stuff like that. And they're not going to poo poo those things or be like, Well, we need to make this okay for a 10 year old, too. I don't think they're going to be for 10 year olds, yeah. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. I could see them do some sort of like wide appeal for some of these things, right? Like. Um, I, th I know a lot of the criticism for Man of Steel was that this is a Superman movie and kids don't want to see Superman break someone's neck, right? And that I could see that criticism because it's still it's a hard conversation to have with a kid who wants to see Superman fly around and save people, and then be like, "Oh, Superman just killed a guy brutally." I'm like, yeah, but the situation, the kid doesn't understand the situation. So yeah, I can see why that argument was always controversial because because it is what it is. But I also think that the tone that you described. There's going to be essentially what we got in uh, Superman, um, the comic book that sold out like crazy. Yeah. Also Superman, because that comic, you you got humor, 
but it was also like situational humor. It wasn't like like silly humor. And there the humor, a lot of it came from like Clark Kent being Clark Kent, acting naive, and the other people like teasing him for it. And then then like the, the humor was if they only realized that he was Superman, they wouldn't be saying this crap. Right? It was all situational stuff. Like, oh, how could you do that? Oh, he like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, you're gonna hurt your back, and like things like that. Like them teasing him, thinking that he's just some dullard, but it's Superman. So there's a lot of humor of stuff like that. Um, but I don't think for a second we're gonna get the same humor of Gardens of the Galaxy or anything Marvel with these characters because that's not who they are. And no, James and I think Gunn he, yeah, knows and who he, these characters are. Yeah, and he knows how to write for characters. He reads the comic books. Right, he reads the comic books. He knows what he wants to do with them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he defines Superman space. Uh, it'll be, I, you know what I mean, because he gave Marvel retro space. Space is like futuristic, but also in the past. And I wonder what uh, I wonder what uh, what his version of it will be. It's gonna be interesting. I, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see it because. All the different versions of space that we got in his Guardians films, I could I could see these things and be like, I could see the Green Lanterns thrive in these kind of places. Um, also, in my mind, when you saw Adam Warlock being Adam Warlock in this film, did you at any point did you say I could see Superman flying that way? Because I did. I was watching. I was like, uh, I could Taylor, see these kind of angles. Yeah, Superman in the 100%. in the fight in that fight scene with Adam Warlock when somebody grabs him and we see his POV. These action yeah. sequences are all CG, but he does a great job of focusing on faces that Adam Warlock made me think he could do bat, uh, do Superman. Cause I yeah. was seeing the way some of those things are not like that character, but the way that that fights him, he understands you need to see the weight of these hits, but that we also need to be focused on Superman. We need to see mm-hmm. the character being affected by it. Yeah, and it and it was funny because I was watching it, and I, I remember I said a, a while back that Zach and James have a very similar visual style, and this movie a thousand percent solidified my view that James Gunn and Zack Snyder have a ridiculously similar style. Because mm. in terms a lot of, of set how, pieces and colors, yeah, and like how Adam Warlock flew was very reminiscent of how Zack Snyder had Superman fly, but also much more bright because. Zach makes all of his movies in kind of like this blue tinge to him to kind of set that that way. But James Gunn does the same filtering effect in brighter colors. Yeah. So I, I was like, I could see this work very well. This is this is fine for me. I mean, maybe maybe you just need to be an experienced filmmaker to do a Superman movie, but I feel like he can do it. I feel like this work, especially this last movie, it hits on a number of different levels. Yeah, 100%. And and I said on, on my social media that uh, after I got another movie, I, I walked out and I, I went to the, the socials and said, hey, after seeing Guardians 3, I believe that James Gunn can deliver something amazing with Superman. And it's and I even said, I'm like, it's not to discredit what Zack did because I, I love what Zack did. I love so much the DC universe that Zack Snyder created with his, his franchise. But I also know that my view of these films is not the same view for general audiences. And watching general audiences fall in love with what James Gunn just did means that this will be the first time that DC may be loved by the general public. Do you understand what Taylor just said? He likes the old stuff. 
He likes it. That really gels with him. He wishes he could get more of that. But knowing that these movies are going to be for a larger scope and that more people are going to be brought into this fandom means that it's going to continue on. And it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be the success of this will allow for more big ideas and yeah. more different ideas and more heroes and villains. It's not going to be limited by the committee wanting to push some movie. Superman Legacy comes out and it's going to be a success. Then that means the next movie gets to come out and that same vibe is going to exist and people are going to show up and the anti Zack Snyder stigma that's exists by the general populace who can't answer why they don't like him. That's not going to exist here. And it's going to allow this, this is going to be the first time on film that we may actually get a crisis project or a kingdom come project or any of those things. Cause when this universe is successful it, and it will be because people genuinely love DC characters and there's when it is it successful, we will get the shared universe that we wanted for like 20 years now. And there are three fake Zack projects coming out. If Blue Beetle doesn't do well, they'll blame Black Snyder, Zack Snyder. If The Flash does well, they'll say, oh, we should have done more Zack Snyder. And when Aquaman doesn't do well or makes any reference to any of that stuff, it's just going to make everyone sad again. Yeah. But even then, like I said before, the first Aquaman and the second Aquaman were not a part of what Zack had planned. So people need to stop thinking that that oh this movie's gonna make me want more Zach because it's not because Zach's Zach we saw Zach Snyder's Justice League we saw right. what Zach's version of Atlantis was and it was not what Aquaman's version of Atlantis it was, was. sad and drab and all broken down and William yeah. Defoe lives under the water and then with with James Wan Atlantis it was Tron Legacy underwater <laughs> so it so was I never thought about yeah. it like that it is Tron Legacy. Now, if you watch that movie and you think Tron Legacy, there's a couple shots. Like, when they go into the, the, the gate, I was like, oh, this is Tron Legacy. And the music, <laughs> and the music signed, I was like, this is it. This is, I love this. Like, it's fun. Does um, uh, Atlantis get a redesign in the new movie? In, in what new movie? In the second movie? Uh, Atlantis yeah. will have some new elements to it because it's going to it's gonna be kind of like how Thor 1 looked one way and then Thor 2 looked a totally different way, but it was just because it was a different part of the city. Sure. Same idea. Um, but at the same time, I think people are not going to be really responsive when you find out that like the, the whole movie is Black Manta using accelerated global warming to melt the polar ice caps, and it's going to turn into this anti-climate change PSA kind of a movie, and people aren't going to respond to that. So I don't feel like Aquaman 2 is going to be really hitting any major records like the first one was. Just a bigger deficit for James Gunn to dig out of. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the last movie that has the DC name is Aquaman 2. It's so, so weird. Um, but at the same time, the fact that James Gunn is not going full Scorched Earth and allowing Elseworlds to exist within this new DCU is something that Marvel's never done and Marvel can't do. Because at this point, if Marvel introduced an Elseworld built, people will freak out. But the fact yeah. that we're having, we're having Superman Legacy... And the Batman Part 2, supposedly releasing within just a few months of each other, it's going to tell audiences that we have one canon and we have side stories. And um, it's going to be huge for people. And on the Marvel side, I mean, look how long we've been waiting for Deadpool and Wolverine. And look at, I mean, look how, and now, and now we're finally going to get them. And hopefully we get them in 
Secret Wars? I mean, I guess Wolverine is in Secret Wars, right? I mean, the well, character is. What I understand is that Deadpool is going to deal with uh, time travel and universe hopping. And that's the whole plot of the movie is that now he has Cable's time travel machine. So he's now going to be jumping through timelines trying to find a version of Wolverine that likes him. So we're going to see a lot of different Wolverines. Um, and the version that does work with him is probably going to be the version that we see in Secret Wars. Wow. Wow. But they have to pay off, but they have to show that, yeah, there are these other ones out here, but that's not the yeah. one we get. Yeah. But the but the fact that we're going to get Wolverine in his yellow costume is going to be the best thing. Taylor, I can't wait for Weapon X. I can't wait to see the visor and the and the and the and the things coming off of them and not like the last one. Oh, do you think Deadpool fights other Deadpool? Do you think he'll fight his Fox incarnation with the with the with the closed up lips and the and the I, knives coming? I would hope so much for that. Like you have no <laughs> idea how excited just, I would be. Just stab him very quickly. Oh, that was a that was a wonderful movie that disappointed me and Taylor in person. So my my son got into the room. Hold on, Seb, I'm, I'm live. Give me a kid. Hi. Hi, this baby. Is the baby. All right, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the prodigal son has returned. Goodbye, baby. Yeah. He always likes to come in here and grab things off my shelf. Of course he does. That's where dad's. That's where all the cool toys are. Well, I mean, I have my dragon radar right here, and he loves it to pieces. He will go through it and he'll click it until it finds the dragon balls for him, and he loves it to pieces. He wants to do ha chala, hey chala. He wants to go on an adventure. We can let him go on an adventure. Let's wrap this up. But um. On that note, uh, my right now, Guardians of the Galaxy three is sitting at five hundred and thirty million worldwide. Um, probably not going to be the franchise best, but at the same time, I loved it, and it's my franchise best. And I think that the reason why it may not end up being the franchise best because it was dark, and it's not a movie for kids. And most parents will be like, "Oh no, 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 no! My kids are not seeing a movie about animal cruelty. They're not going to see a movie where he straight up." rips the face off of somebody sure. like because that was a when they that scene happened when they peeled off his mask and you saw it i was like oh this is not a kid's movie <laughs> yeah uh it's also not building up to avengers endgame like there's you know what i mean there's just like not that big thing it, i think we're in the know of what they're coming to but man marvel's got rocky waters and there's gonna be a they're gonna have to recast and re fix a bunch of things and it's gonna get messy Interesting. Um, so uh, just to reiterate, uh, the Snyder Cut is canon to The Flash. I think people need to... Uh, my buddy saw The Flash yesterday and said, yeah, Snyder Cut is canon. So no matter what, um, people need to be aware that if they hate on The Flash movie, this is canon to that last yeah, one. I, that's exactly what I said. I, I mean, I didn't know it was that one. I got the other two wrong. But yeah, some of this stuff is all going to be one-to-one -one connected. Well, the fact that okay, so I'll just go to uh, here's a spoiler alert. Here's a big one. Um, the whole conversation that we've seen little snippets of in the trailers about uh, Barry saying that he's time traveled and Bruce like, don't do it. You're gonna break the universe. He references stuff that only happened in the Snyder Cut. Sure, sure. So that whole like people, yeah, this. Which also speaks to the success of that Justice League movie. That this movie that had been retooled, they retooled it again and brought Ben Affleck in to link it to that movie. 
So he's just he's telling me all the stuff about the movie. I'll uh... well really enjoyed Guardians 3. If you have not seen it, I would absolutely say go see it because I think it'll show you so how James Gunn has evolved his writing and what maturity he's gonna bring to a future project. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, go ahead and watch the other movies before you get into it. Um, and then you'll see that this one is clearly different. He's clearly matured a lot since the, the first one, and it's definitely changed. You're right, especially in use of colors. The movie is not yeah. as bright. It's not a, it's, yeah, there's the universe is a little bit more grimier. Taylor, you can't look at your phone right now. We have to finish the episode before you play with your phone. Lots of stuff happening. Of I stuff. know. He's going to tell you all the things that are going to confirm it. You can't spoil it for people. They want to see it live. Anyways, anyways, uh, that movie is going to come out in like a month and it's going to blow people's mind holes. But on that note, thank you all for joining us today. If you want to help us keep the lights on and do what we do, head over to uh, patreon.com slash the culture nerd and help us. Uh, support us i mean it, we do what we love to do and we want to deliver for you so uh big thank you to those of you who do currently support us uh i've been your host taylor murphy my co-host michael Santel is here as always and if you're at home watching this uh, scan that qr code go hurrying us on social media and we will see you throughout the week on the remainder of our shows we got some fun ones coming up with the uh the gents over at through the monocle, they're going to be reviewing the Star Wars uh, sequel movies, which Ooh. have been a very controversial subject for a lot of people. And their stance is kind of my stance, too, with uh, The Last Jedi. So they'll talk about that at length. And then for later on this week with uh, the, the comic book show, uh, this last week they did Kick-Ass Volume 1. And this week, uh, they're going over Jeff Johns' Flash Rebirth back in 2008. And that was a fantastic book. So... Uh, Lots of cool stuff to talk about this week, but we will see you all on the next show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.